A short time ago, an American airplane dropped one bomb on Hiroshima. Ich bin ein Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this. people I think is good people. They are they have not to charge with the guilty of all the lies. What's up, motherfucker? Welcome back to the Cold War Ray Harris the fifteenth. Uh, and that was just in the the one family. Down south, you right. had uh, fourteen elder a, brothers called Ray Harris. Right. <laughs> well, it's just easier that way. Uh, you just change the date on the birth certificate because the name is exactly the same, and you move on. How's life in vagina, Ray? Um, it's okay. I mean, we had a tree fall the other day. That was the most exciting thing that happened. It scared the shit out of Kiki, which I thought was funny. She got mad at me, but that was the high and the low point. Of our respective days. So not right. much happens here. Yeah. No riots going you- on in your neighborhood? Um, there's always riots in this house when there's only like a few French fries left. But other than that, no, <laughs> Nelson County is pretty quiet. We don't, we don't, we don't do the drama. I did a, an interview with a neuroscience researcher on Monday for my psychopath epidemic series who is mm-hmm. based in Richmond, Virginia. Had a lovely cool. chat, and um, yeah, he told me about some of the stuff that's going on in Richmond. A bit scary, but uh, yes. Nelson County, all good. Yeah, well, we're all related to each other, and there's a lot of incest. You throw that in, and it's just complicated. You don't know who to hate, so we just go about our days. All right. Well, today we're going to continue talking about Yugoslavia. And the rise to power of mm-hmm. one of the uh, longest ruling communist leaders in the mid 20th century, Tito, aka Josip Broz, aka Stalin's nemesis. Right. Pain kind of. Well, wow, you know. Pain in the back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, we're going to talk about sort of the war over the next few episodes. We're going to talk about the war between the partisans, Tito's group and the Chetniks, Mm -hmm. one of the rival Yugoslavian groups and against the Ustasha, another rival Yugoslavian group. Right. And all three of them at various times supported by or fighting against... (laughs) The Nazis and the Italian fascists and the British. It's complicated. At various stages, <laughs> everyone changes sides. It's like an uh, orgy. Changes teams. Right. Like you in Vegas. They're right. changing teams pivot, so fast. Pivot, it's Pivot. It's hard to tell. <laughs> hard to know who's on who and who hasn't paid. But... Uh, and this is... A, I look, I'm going to be honest, ladies and gentlemen... This is this has been a difficult show uh, to prepare for for yeah. me personally. Um, I know for Ray, uh, you know, it was difficult for him. It is you know that Wikipedia page loaded slowly. Oh God! But, uh, did it ever? You know, I, 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 I there's a lot of uh, Slavic names of places of people 
I tried to look up the pronunciation for them so I don't butcher them as any more than I need to. Right. Uh, and it's a part of the world that I'm not familiar with. These are characters that I'm not familiar with, and we, we've tried to slog our way through it. So we, we're going to do our best. But what yeah. I'm saying is lower your expectations. Please. I know the fact that you're listening to this show <laughs> means they're already pretty low. I know Dan Carlin just came out with another four-hour episode of right. World War II, and people are like, so, oh, Dan, and I'm yeah. like... Really? Seven months? Four hours? You know how many fucking hours we do in seven months, Dan? We do like a billion hours of shows in seven months. And people go, yeah, but, you know, a billion of your hours isn't as good as four of Dan hours. And I go, yeah, okay. Well, I yeah. can't argue with that. He's Dan Carlin, right? He's, he's good. Right. I, I started listening to Dan's show at the gym last night. And he's good, but I got bored about 10 minutes into it. And yeah. uh, I was like, eh, you know, there was no dick jokes. He's good, right. but he's so serious. Could, could be better. Throw the dick joke. <laughs> I'm not saying we're better than Dan Carlin. I'm just saying our, our I, I just needed are. I needed a laugh. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. Anyway, you be the judge, folks. Sorry, I'm just watering right. my bonsai here if you can hear the squirting oh, noise. That, I just that's about not an expression. Yeah. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> Tito started his campaigning in the middle of 1941. We talked before about he wasn't really doing anything for the first couple of years of the war after yeah. you know, the Nazis invaded. Laying low. And uh, neither he nor the Chetniks were aggressively taking on the Germans, and mostly for the same reason, I think, at this stage. They both yeah. basically decided... This is that would be a suicide mission. We're not ready to go head to head with the Nazis. And also, we've talked about before the Nazis had this policy like every one of ours you kill, we kill a hundred of yours. So, uh, they basically just, I guess, they were waiting for the right time. As our old friend Ho Chi Minh did in Vietnam, he waited for decades for the right opportunity to strike. And I've been thinking about this in light of the the riots mm-hmm. in the United States over the last week, right? The George George Floyd riots. We're recording right. this for posterity, sake of posterity, recording this on the 4th and 5th of June, depending on which part of the world you're in. 2020, America's just been through a week of violent riots yes. over the cop death of George Floyd, among other things. But I've been thinking about this, like you and I have talked a lot now about revolutions, successful revolutions, and Mm -hmm. what they require. And it's a combination, I think, of really great leadership, uh, a lot of groundwork done to prepare the people, building up the revolutionary sensibilities and a vision for what the better world would look like because you're going to go through a lot of pain in a revolution. A lot of people are going to die on both sides. Uh, It's going to be a lot of hardship, but you have to sell a revolution as, yes, this is going to be years uh, or, or in Ho Chi Minh's case, decades of pain and grief and loss and hardship, but we're building a better world for our children and our children's children. And so we have to go through this yeah. to to make sure they have a better life. Um, so you need that. And then you need to pick your timing. Ho Chi Minh waited until yes. the Japanese had been defeated in World War II. Uh, the French had not yet become strong again. And he saw that was their chance to 
strike. Um, and and in this case, well, and, and in the Russian Revolution, although we haven't done it in great detail, which we, we should do someday, we touched on it briefly in our early episodes, uh, Lenin and the entire Bolshevik command were basically out of the country when the revolution started in 1917, but right. the people rose up. And it was in the middle of World War One, and so the army was busy, and uh, they saw this as their opportunity to strike when the people rose up and the army was away. So um, I think Tito and, and uh, Draza Mahalovich, the leader of the Chetniks, are doing the same thing in their own ways. They're, they're waiting for the right time. It's all about timing. Like uh, in a Vegas hotel room, it's all about preparedness and timing, right? Uh, as we discovered. Yeah, yeah. Well, if, if I could just add on to that for a second, because when it comes to Draza, what's going to happen is you're right, the Czechniks and uh, Tito, they're laying low because why bash your head against the wall by taking on the uh, Germans? However, the Serbs don't kind of see it that way. These are a very stubborn, independent people who don't like to take orders or, frankly, take shit from anybody. So when the Germans leave in May of 1941 and they put... Um, General Milan Nedic, uh, N-E-D-I-C, in charge of the rump state of Serbia that the Germans had given themselves, uh, the Serbs are, gonna, are going to kind of lash out at everybody. So there is some internal fighting going on, but it's not the partisans, it's not the Chetniks, and they're not yet fighting each other. But there is some tension going on, which is the last thing that Tito needs, because like you said, let, let's wait for the larger tides of war to turn, and then we can start for, this, start something. But right now, let's gather people, let's gather intelligence, let's gather weapons, um, let's get ourselves organized and be ready, but clearly it's much too soon for that. Milos Gilas, Milovan, Milovan Gilas, Milovic, Milovan, Milosovan, what's Gilas' first name? Okay, anyway, we'll just call him Gilas. Gilas. Yes, yes. Zilash, he gave a speech a couple of years later in 1943 talking about their decision to mobilise in 1941. He said, we communists are often reproached with not having called the people to arms until Hitler attacked the Soviet Union. Mm. After the occupation of our country, the party organised mass political resistance to the enemy forces and the Central Committee, for its part, made serious preparations for military action, but the time for armed revolt had not yet come. It would only come when Hitler's troops were engaged on some other front, when it had become clear to the mass of the people that a struggle was possible, that it had some prospect of success, and that they themselves would stand to gain by it. And this was only so once Hitler had attacked the Soviet Union, Mm -hmm. the participation of the Soviet Union in the war was a guarantee that it would really be a war of national liberation and not just a war to serve the interests of those foreign reactionaries on whom the repulsive former rulers of this country had pinned their faith. So it it all started after the beginning of Operation Barbarossa took a lot of the Nazis away from Yugoslavia to go fight the Russians. As we said, I think, in an earlier episode, uh, Hitler delayed Operation Barbarossa to go and kick the shit out of Yugoslavia after they were burning and Greece. Uh, SS buildings yes. in Greece. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and, and so the timing here all had to do with the invasion of Russia. 
But I like this. I got this quote out of, uh, I think, Francis McLean's book. Um, mm-hmm. He said, what struck me most, an old friend said later of a conversation which he had with Tito in 1937, was his calm assurance that there was going to be a war, that the old regime would collapse, that the Communist Party would lead a tremendous fight, would win and would govern the country. He had no doubts. To him, it was all clear-cut and his confidence was absolute. Wow. And I like that. And I think that's uh, probably a great indication. This is very early on, right? 1937. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the sign of a leader. Um, yes. You know, when you read about Napoleon, when you read about Fidel Castro, it always amazes me when I read um, Che Guevara's account, his war diaries of the Cuban Revolution. Like, as we've talked about in the past, they were, when they landed on Cuba, there were 80 men in a boat. They got completely decimated immediately right. by Batista's forces. <laughs> right. Most of them were killed or captured. There was like yeah. 10 guys left. And everyone was panicking. And a goat. And uh, they, 10 guys left, no weapons. They lost their weapons when they got routed, mostly. Um, everyone was panicking except Fidel. Fidel yeah. was like, no, nah, we're going to win this. It's the same. <laughs> like, yeah, we what? got this. We got this. <laughs> what? What? Yeah. what are you talking about? You just got Did decimated. You not see you guys, huh? What happened? Yeah. Yeah. No, we got this. We got this. Yeah. We got this. I got this. Don't worry. We're gonna we're gonna win. We're gonna we're gonna take on the fifty thousand soldiers that Batista has, the American supplied planes and tanks and guns. Yeah, sure. Yeah, Ten men yeah. and goat and no guns. Yeah, yeah. we're gonna win this. Like <laughs> I that. Just, Right. I mean, it, it, right. it, there's a line between in, insanity right. and uh, <laughs> and <laughs> confidence, but you know that's yeah. you, you need a leader you can look to, and he's like, that's all right, it's all good. I'll, I'll give you another example: um, mm-hmm. Tony Coniston uh, with with investing in QAV, right. like when the market collapsed as a result of coronavirus. Yeah. For for myself and all of our listeners and subscribers on QAV, it's great because Tony's Tony's cool. We call him the Iceman. Right. Um, he's like, yeah, I've been through this many times before. I've been through lots of recessions um, and uh, market crashes and corrections. Um, it's fine. I got this. I know what I know what I'm doing here. You know, yeah. uh, this is not my first rodeo. I've been <laughs> through it and uh, I know how to play it. Yeah, I got a plan. Yeah. I know how to play yeah. it. Yeah. Um, and you're like, okay. Well, he sounds like he knows what he's doing, right? So, right. yeah, his confidence was absolute as early as 1937, according to this friend. And that, yeah, and that kind of, that emanates from a person and, and it attracts people and it also attracts their loyalty. And as we're going to see, he's going to need that loyalty over the next couple of years because times are going to be hard for Tito and his partisans. I did want to ask you real quick, so... Just right before Barbarossa jumps off, um, in May of 1941, there's a whole bunch of German troops traveling through Yugoslavia, getting to Romania to their jump-off points. Tito hears about this, and he actually warns Russia of this Axis invasion that seems to be coming. Was it at this point that Stalin and Tito were on the outs? I didn't have a firm date for when there was a cooling between these two guys. Do you know? Well, I don't think there was ever a warming really oh, between I see them. Your point. Okay. Um, right. I don't think 
he and Stalin ever were buddy buddies slapping each other on the back and doing the reach around. <laughs> right. Uh, it's okay. not like Stalin and Churchill or Stalin and FDR later right. on. Um, you know, we, we've talked about this before. Like, Stalin was all about communism in one country at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, well, maybe a little bit after this point when he needed to get his allies on board. But even, yeah. I think domestically, even though he probably wasn't stating it publicly, we know that he didn't really give Ho Chi Minh the time of day. Uh, he mm-hmm. didn't really give Mao the time of yeah. day. He didn't really give Tito the time of day. He was busy with his own shit in his own little USSR. And what's going on with these other revolutions in other parts of the world? He's like, listen, seriously, yeah. not my problem. You right. guys deal with it. I got, I got enough fucking shit to do here. Yeah. Um, this is not not my problem. I mean, yeah, go. We, we, we can meet with the common turn and we can have discussions and blah, blah, blah. We can shoot the shit, but um, I'm not. Right. I don't, think, I don't think he was really actively supporting. And that's, of course, one of the reasons why he and Tito, uh, well, Tito eventually says, fuck Stalin. Yeah. Uh, because he's like, what, what, you know, he, 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 he wrote a song oh, about it. Thank God. Don't make me sing. <laughs> I know he used to do nice stuff for you, but what has he done for you lately? What have you done for me lately, Stalin? Yeah. Uh, I like this quote. F- yeah. Sorry, yeah. What? No, I was just going to add on to that. And so they're not they're not that quite warm. But when Operation Bar- Barbarossa kicks off, Stalin, even if he wanted to, doesn't have the time to deal with something like Tito because he's he's watching his the western half of his country fall to the Germans. So yeah, it's it's it doesn't really matter. They just don't have time, or he, Stalin doesn't have the reason to be this guy's buddy. And we know that despite the warnings he got from British spies and from uh, Churchill himself yeah. and from uh, uh, even some uh, Germans. Uh, Tito, yeah, even yeah. some Germans who warned him, yeah. he didn't believe it. He didn't, didn't believe it. To. He didn't, didn't believe know. it was going to happen. What does that say about someone when there is this 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 plethora of evidence, or I I don't know if evidence is the right word, but of information, and yet he ignores it because it doesn't suit his timetable. I I don't I wonder what that says about a person. I mean I, we all deny things all the time, but we're not being invaded by another country. It's a much bigger stakes for someone like Stalin. I've always wondered about that. Yeah. Well, you know, it's a, it's a cognitive bias and it's a, it's a level of um, arrogance, I guess, in your own mm. uh, views. Uh, and, you, you know, as we've said before, I'm sure he knew that Hitler was going to invade at some point. He just thought it was going to be later. Yeah, I got to. Um, may, um, but you would have thought 
if you knew Hitler was going to invade, you would have been on the watch out for signs right. that he was yeah. going to invade. Like a whole but, bunch of messages. Um, anyway, yeah. anyway, I don't know, man. It's a, it's a bizarre one. I like this quote from McLean's book on this. Uh, and McLean, of course, I think as we talked about early on, um, knew Tito, liked Tito. They were sort of friends. Uh, he said, but perhaps, he's talking about the communists, but perhaps their greatest strength was the idea which inspired them. In mm-hmm. guerrilla war, ideas matter more than material resources. Few ideas equal revolutionary communism in its strength its persistence, and its power over the individual. Communism gave the partisans a singleness of purpose, a ruthless determination, a merciless discipline, without which they could not have survived, let alone succeeded in their object. It helped them to overcome their old national feuds and divergencies. It inspired in them an absolute devotion to their cause, which led them to count as nothing their own lives or the lives of others. It brought them a ready-made intelligence system, a well-tried, widespread underground network. It endowed them with an oracle, the party line. Uh, I think that's a big thing. You know, I think this gets back to what I said before about the necessary requirements for a revolution. You need to have an ideology which inspires people, which they can get behind. And, uh, you know, communism was that for many people around the world in the 20th century. This idea that we can, a, a better world awaits, we just have to build it. Right. And these guys had that. Yeah. And it gives you priorities. Mm. It lets you know what the ultimate objective is. And it clarifies everything for you. It puts everything in context. And that's what a lot of people are seeking in their lives. And particularly, it helped them bring together the Ah, Yugoslavs. Yes. Yugoslavs, as we've talked about, you know, they've been fighting each other forever over... Race and religion, mm-hmm. combination of the two. That's nasty. And this was some sort of uh, overarching philosophy. Obviously, communism tends to get rid of religion. Um, it sees religion as uh, one of the tools of the oppression of the masses by the elite. <clears throat> and, um, you know, it was a, an ideology that, Everyone could get behind. Didn't matter if you're a Serb or a Croat or even a Muslim. Right. You could get behind this, and uh, it would give you a, a vision for a better, a better world, a better future for all people yeah. in the various Yugoslav states. So Tito made his way to Belgrade, which was still controlled by the Nazis. He decided mm-hmm. to locate himself there early on. And one of the first things that he did after Barbarossa and after he'd made a decision to start to escalate their military activities was he sent Gilas, his Montenegrin man, to Montenegro to begin right. some guerrilla activities up that there. Yeah. He specifically told him not to start a war. <laughs> with the Italians who were right. running the Montenegro region just to harass them, just your classic guerrilla activities yeah, uh, pop up out of nowhere in the middle of the night, uh, you know, damage some supplies, 
set some shit on fire. Uh, basically yeah. what's been going on in America for the last week. Just graffiti, blow up face. some cars, blow yeah. up some buildings. Right. Graffiti, yeah. <laughs> you know, a bit of looting. Right. Um, just yeah. create a little bit of chaos to make them uh, busy, panic, to give the people some signs of hope that somebody's rising up here. Um, and, of course, the Italians, the fascists, would be saying, hey, Looting's not on. Look, peaceful <laughs> protest is one thing, right? But riot, rioting is right out. It's no right. violence. <laughs> Just to prove how much we hate violence, we're going to call in tanks and people with guns just to show you how how wrong violence is. Um, don't you know? Don't and I like don't meet violence with violence. That's yes, wrong. a cop killed a person, but that's yes. and that's violence. But don't meet violence with violence. Like Two wrongs. What are don't you like? Right. People who believe in an eye for an eye from the right. Bible. Yeah. Are you um, Old Testament or New Testament? Yeah. Yeah, that's what they were saying. <laughs> uh, and and basically, what Tito was thinking about at this yeah. point is if if you start to create a little bit of trouble you could uh, force Hitler to divert some troops to help the Italians, yes. thereby weakening their attack on Russia because, obviously, Tito wants the Russians to win so they can come and help him right. uh, in his, his attempt to establish a communist state in Yugoslavia. And um, I was just going to say, and the, sec- mm-hmm. the second advantage to starting a little bit of drama is that this will force the communists to engage because they're being engaged. They'll get some experience in fighting and guerrilla fighting and combat. They'll toughen up because they truly hard times haven't come yet. So if I can bloody my men, get them tough while causing some headaches for the access, it's all to the good. Yeah, toughen them up a little yeah. bit. Um, now, the communists didn't have much traction in Montenegro. They didn't have much traction anywhere, really, around the country. They were still relatively small uh, mm. and, and un- untested. So it shouldn't have been much problem for them not to start a full-on fucking war in Montenegro. <laughs> and and Gilas wasn't even the undisputed leader of the communists in the region. Right. Communists, you know, as, as we know famously, a bit like... Uh, uh, Jews uh, during the Roman occupation, they can't agree on whether it's the People's Front of Judea or the Judean <laughs> People's Front that are in control. The communists are always fighting between, you know, Leninists and Marxists and Trotskyists and Stalinists and uh, they're all arguing amongst each other about the correct way to be a communist. Right. One of the reasons why they've always struggled to get their shit together is they get all caught up in, you know, who, who's got the right form. Um, right, the unfortunately, yeah. unfortunately, the Italians who were running Montenegro had announced that they were going to restore the monarchy. Yay! The, uh, the, the King Petery monarchy. Right. And the Montenegrins... Not the communists, the Montenegrins rose up spontaneously and killed or captured more than 2,000 (laughs) Italian soldiers. Right. If I could just give that a little context, because I I found this not uh, amusing, but just 
uh, entertaining in that the Italians had no idea what they were doing. So when the Italians first get to Dalmatia on the coast, they're friendly, they're they're merciful, they take it easy on the people, and the people there obviously enjoy that. But when the Italians go to Montenegro, as you uh, said a second ago, the Serbs are a whole different caliber of person. Their their morning greeting is "fuck you" if you're an outsider. It doesn't matter. So when the Italians come in and they want to bring back the king, thinking they can placate the people, this is how messed up the Serbs are in this area. There are three different groups. You got the Greens, the Whites, and the Reds. They all hate each other. You don't have to go into the details. They hate each other. They fight each other. But the one thing they do have in common is not a king because they're Serbs. They have an affinity for Russia. But when there were czars, they used to see Russia as, and they probably still do see Russia, as a, a, as like a protector of them because it's such a massive country. It's nearby. There's a, there's a lot of connections there. So no matter what the Italians do, they're not Russians. And so the Serbs aren't going to put up with this shit. You're right. So they announced the king. In fact, the guy they picked for the job didn't want the job because he knew he would have been killed within days. So the Italians take one of their own and dub this person the king. And like you said, they go ape shit. They are taking. They are literally taking possession of towns. They're taking thousands of prisoners of the uh, Italian troops. This is a grassroots, emotional, spontaneous reaction to what the Italians are doing. It has nothing to do with Gilash, but he's supposed to be the one who's in charge. He's supposed to be leading this. And like you said, Tito said, keep this small for now. We need to bloody our troops and get them experience. And it has blown up. And T- and, and Gilash is just standing there. Nothing to do. He can't control it, and it's out of his hands completely. So this is the Italians trying to take uh, the king of King Emmanuel's uh, cousin or something and yeah. install him as the king, right? And he's like, "What?" <laughs> he thought it was a joke. I like breathing. I've never bitch. even so I've never even been there. What are you talking about? Why am I the king all of a sudden? Right. Um, yeah. So. <clears throat> the worst kind of revolution is the one that uh, happens when you you, you, you didn't want it. You, you, you you're the revolutionary leader. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, well, it, it just wasn't ready. Again, yeah, it's all work. about timing, timing exactly. and preparedness, and yes. they weren't ready for this, but the people didn't know that. Right. The people they just got ahead memo. of Tito's plans. Yeah, yeah. didn't get the memo. The Italians sent reinforcements, including some Muslim irregulars, and they, between them, crushed the insurrection. The communists had to run for the hills, and they copped the blame from the people for the Italian retribution, even though they didn't start it, they didn't want to start it, they didn't plan (laughs) to start it. Somehow, I guess the Italian propaganda was that this was the communists. The communists did this. It's a bit like uh, in America, blaming the Russians for uh, Trump's election. The communists got blamed for what was, uh, by all means, uh, just a spontaneous uprising of the people against the Italians. If I could real quick, when the Italian division came in with the Muslims, helping the local Muslims, helping them, they didn't just pursue the communists. They were going after everybody. They were going after the uh, the Serbs, no matter what, what group they were with. And so they're all being punished. They're having their houses burned down. People are being thrown into camps. They're being shot. And you're right, the communists are blamed for this, even though they did, had nothing to do with it. So the the big problem for Tito is at this point in time in Montenegro, the Chetniks 
who are his quasi-ally, quasi-enemy, are now more popular than the communists because everybody thinks the shit that they're going through right now is the communists' fault. They're not, but they're the ones who are running for the hills as well because they're being chased by the Italians, along with everybody else. So Tito ends up firing Gilas uh, from yeah, his role as the uh, leader of Tito's <laughs> faction of the Communist Party up there. Um, for starting a rebellion without grassroots political preparations, even though yeah, he didn't start it and he didn't try right. to start it. Um, right. He had to make, I guess he had to uh, make an example, and he called sure. Gilas to Serbia where the partisans had joined the Chetniks in fighting the Germans. Now, mm-hmm. Tito and the Chetnik leader, Draza Mihalovic, had a few meetings during 1941 to try and form a unified front. And it kind of held for a while. They, yeah. they had uh, a, a sort of a detente. Uh, right. They cooperated. But it, it finally collapsed because the Chetniks still didn't want to fight the Germans. They still right. weren't ready. And they thought the guerrilla actions of the partisans were too early and were going to bring down hell upon yeah. them when uh, the Germans, you know, came back to shut it down. And they were right, so we yeah. have to give them that. But the point is that that was the plan. The plan for the partisans was to draw off some of the German troops from Russia and uh, uh, you know, help the Russians win. The Chetniks, of course, really want to restore the monarchy. Yes. They're not. They're not about communism. They're not about Russia. So, you know, it was never really going to work unless they were able to all get together with a common goal. And uh, neither neither side was really ready to relinquish their different ambitions. One wants to restore the monarchy. The other one wants to bring in communism. Exactly. And uh, they ended up falling apart. But for a brief time, they worked together. And uh, and the other the other part of that, you, I think you mentioned this on the previous episode, the Chetniks are also um, not wanting to fight the Germans because, one, they, they have families, they have farms, and the Germans could just come in and wipe out their family and destroy their farm and destroy their livelihood. They have something that can be destroyed and ruin their lives. And the other thing that you mentioned previously was Hitler's decree of September 16th. For every German that's killed, we're going to kill 500 Serbs. For every German that's wounded, we're going to kill 100 Serbs. So so mathematically, this is not feasible. You can't win against them because they will quickly wipe you out before you get anywhere near defeating them. So why why engage? Now, the Serbs are just fucking crazy. They'll fight anybody. But as far as the Chechniks, they were looking at this like professional soldiers. We can't win. Why fight? So... In partitioned Yugoslavia, in one year, there were three different mass uprisings in three different regions for three different reasons against three different enemies. Welcome to Yugoslavia. In the NDH, the independent state of Croatia, the Serbs had risen up against the, um, the, the, the Ustasha. Mm-hmm. In Serbia, they'd risen against the Germans... And in Montenegro, they'd risen up against the Italians. Damn. But the, 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 the insurgents were 
split between the communists and the anti-communists mm-hmm. because, of course, the people who, like the Chetniks, who want to uh, restore the monarchy and the people that are pro-allies, the US and the UK, right. who also want to restore the monarchy, they're all anti-communists. Yeah. So you've got a whole bunch of insurgencies going on, some communist, some anti-communist, and, of course, that's partly what leads to a, a civil war in the process of trying to get rid of foreign invaders. They also have the civil war. Now, in Belgrade, the Nazis were too strong still. This is where Tito is, yeah. too strong to rise up against. So the partisans decided to attack instead the Yugoslav collaborator policemen murdering Ooh. them in the street. Again, reminds me of America today. Right. Uh, target the cops. Go after the cops. They're the, uh, they're the instruments of the oppressors and the elite. And so they started killing cops and uh, obviously the Nazis didn't like that too much. Meanwhile, the Nazis are covering Belgrade with propaganda talking about their successes on the Russian front. Right. We're taking Russia. It's going to be all over in two weeks. Uh, they, they called up George W. Bush, asked him if they could borrow his... Uh, Big banner? What was his... Mission yeah, what accomplished. Was the banner? Mission accomplished. Mission accomplished. Yeah, they got that. Yeah. They rolled that out in Belgrade. Oh, it's going to be great. Um, but well, when they did that, as soon as they turned their backs the partisans would come in and burn it all. They'd destroy right. it, graffiti it, burn piles of newspapers and pro- propaganda pamphlets. So, again, it's this is sort of classic guerrilla tactics. Kill a cop, burn propaganda. Just let them know that... Uh, you're there, and you're you're not you're not uh, uh, standing. Just be a pain in the ass to them. Exactly. Like just harass them, right? They even yeah. tried to blow up a radio station, but uh, the guy who was in charge of it, I think it was Jezier, got yeah. caught and beaten and <laughs> yes. thrown in a prison. So, He's but that's, be, you know, they're, they're just doing yeah. classic guerrilla stuff. Right. He's going to be rescued. Uh, we don't have to go into that. He's going to be rescued. But you're right. This is just enough. It's still low level. It's harassment. Hopefully it disturbs the the daily flow of the city. But And maybe they'll bring more German soldiers in who can't be at the front. Um, I guess, again, like you were saying, even though Tito and Stalin aren't buds, maybe if he can do Stalin the solid, it might get back to the head guy which will pay dividends later on. But like you said, he needs the Russians to win so they can help put him in power later. So by the end of August, the Germans, as you said earlier, had handed over the government to General Nedic. He's the Marshal Patton of Serbia. He's the chief collaborator. Right. He's a Yugoslav, had been the chief of the general staff of the Royal Yugoslav Army. He'd been the Minister of War in the Royal Yugoslav Government. Mm. And he's now the Prime Minister of the Government of National Salvation. Oh, I like that. Which, uh, yeah, yeah, it's like freedom. Freedom, (laughs) salvation, democracy. Right. The Government of the National Freedom, Democracy, Salvation... Really, we're good guys, you can tell, because it's in our name movement. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, one of the first things he did 
was start the mass imprisonment of the Jews. Oh, my God. Well, he was put in charge by the Germans. I guess they're going to expect that of him. So order number one, <laughs> go after the Jews. <laughs> Did you see the, the, the shit fight I got into on the life of Caesar page under that, that uh, picture of Jesus overturning the tables in the temple? I saw the... I, I didn't read the text. Someone didn't uh, appreciate that very much. Somebody, somebody got archy about it. I don't know. Not one of our real listeners. I think just somebody, somebody linked to on the page or something. Right. I don't know. But he was like, Jesus. If he, if he was a listener, he would have known better than to fuck with me. But he was like, <laughs> Jesus was being very specific. And I said, uh, Oh, okay. So what you're saying is violence okay as long as it's very specific. And by specific, I assume you mean targeting Jews. Yeah. And he goes, I never said that. If you're an anti-Semite, you would believe that. But I never said that. And Jesus was a Jew himself, so that doesn't make any sense. I go, well, hold on. You said it was. he was being very specific, and he was yeah. specifically attacking Jews in the temple. So I assumed uh, that that's yeah. what you meant, right? It was, right? It's okay. Violence is okay as long as you're attacking Jews. That's basically right. what you said. And uh, he got very specifically, upset. No. I imagine you ruined the rest of his day. So, yes. Yes. But the um, point is the yeah. Germans are heading out to fight the Russians. Yes. But I want to uh, still oh, talking about General sorry. Nedich. Please. He, he started speeches where he railed against the communist Jewish rabble and the mm-hmm. communist Masonic Jewish English mafia. Wow. They're the worst kind wow. of mafia. I mean, that's a big group. You know, he's in, he's in an alliance with the Italians, but he's creating this other mafia called the Communist Masonic Jewish English Mafia. Well, you know, I, I like to think the Italian mafia would be like, <laughs> hey, oh. hey, listen, hey, could you, uh, you know, stop, stop uh, using the word mafia? This doesn't exist. Ask <laughs> J. Edgar Hoover. The mafia's not real. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> It'd be a shame if something happened to your pet. A real shame. Your little corky. I don't know. I just got pictures of it here. Why do you sound like Trump when you're doing your mafia voice? I don't know. know. (laughs) Because he is part of the mafia. He's on the outer edges. Don't get me wrong. The fringes. But that's always been his life's goal is to be a part of the mafia. It should be obvious to anybody. Yeah. Uh, Nedjik set up the Banjika concentration camp. Tens of thousands of prisoners were held there and thousands died. Jesus. So that's uh, the guy that's actually, you know, running uh, this part of the country. So when the Nazi forces started to get pulled back to Russia, Tito decided it was time to act in Serbia. He made his way south by a combination of train, horse and cart. But as you said before, the Serb farmers weren't communists. They were more aligned with the Chetniks. And a lot of them wanted to fight for God and church and country, not for communism. When you have a very religious population, very hard to get them to align with communism. This is what, what happened in America as we talked about in our um, episodes about the the rise of the connections between capitalism and Christianity. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, communism called for the end of religion. And so the you're religious people in the country, so it's going to take a lot of work to get them yeah. there. And they also saw the partisans as outsiders. They're not locals. 
There are people, this is part of the Yugoslav issue, right? There's so much division between races, the Serbs and the Croats, which they see as different races, as well as the the Montenegrins and the Muslims, etc. And then you've got the whole religious divide between them. They just see these guys as outsiders coming in, trying to fuck with their country, whereas the Chetniks are more locals. These are city folk too, because a lot of the communist leadership, as we've explained before, were like urbans. Yeah, university uh, students... Yeah. Educated, fancy, um, with your wearing Ascot. footwear and, and right. shirts, you know, you know, <laughs> tucking your shirts. So in, yeah, they're not. Necks. Come on, yeah, and they're not local. They're not locals, and the locals had no orders to fight the Germans, and they were also aware of this command of Hitler's, as you said before, that for every German death there'd be five hundred Serbian deaths. In retribution, the so they're like, well, yeah. you know, why we're not we're not signing up for that. Tito's biographer Gegie, uh, who was one of the local political commissars in 1941, put it this way: the Chetnik units were usually made up of older men, married men, peasants of rich families. Mm. So again, rich families don't want communism. No. They know what that means. No change. They're like the kulaks in Russia. Uh, well, we we know what Stalin did to rich peasants. Uh, we don't, we don't fucking want communists coming here. You got to right. tell us we have to give up our land and our cows and our yeah. daughters. Love Fuck my that cows. shit. More than my daughters. Yeah. They remained in the villages. They slept at home, and from time to time, they were called to headquarters where they drilled. I had great difficulty persuading the Chetnik commanders around Kragujevac to take part in the fighting against the Germans. They said they had no orders. On the other hand, they criticised our command because we wasted mercilessly the blood of the Serbian people fighting against the Germans in an uneven struggle. So the communists really had a tough time getting the Serbians to get on board. Yeah. And if I could just add one more layer to that to make it even more complicated, as far as the Serbian farmers are concerned, they think they understand this Colonel Drozna, who is uh, who is also uh, fighting as well. He is seen as a natural leader. He They believe that he understands them and that he represents their goals and that kind of stuff. So they're like, one, we don't get you communists, two, you're outsiders, and three, we've already got a guy. Once we've been given orders by someone who is over us, we'll fight, but we've already think we've got a protector and you ain't it. So Tito was having a hard time. Now in this region of Kragujevac, where Jejie was trying to get the people to rise up against the occupiers, a group mm. of guerrillas, we're not sure still if they were Chetniks or partisans, but probably partisans. I mean, the Chetniks really That'd be my guess. Weren't, didn't have orders to fight. A group yeah. of guerrillas killed 10 Germans and wounded 26 Damn. So on the 20th of October, the entire male population in the town was rounded up. And just to prove that Hitler wasn't fucking around, 7,000 were shot, including hundreds of schoolboys and one German soldier who Mm. refused to serve in a firing squad. And another 1,500 uh, civilian Serbs would be shot in a different town nearby. So, yeah, this was, this was some serious shit. Do not mess with the Germans because the downside is just so massive. Reminds me of Caesar, right? 
Right. Yeah, back in the good old days, fighting against the Gauls. He's like, right. listen, right. you know, what do we call him? Like one chance, one chance Caesar. You get one chance to surrender. Right. right. Second time at your fucking hand. I'm sorry, but yeah. I can't have this. Yeah. I can't have Hands everybody. And slavery. Exactly. Right. I can't have everybody revolting against me. I got to make an example of you. It's just business. It's not personal. Oh, a little bit personal. A little bit. Uh, if you're Jews in particular. And he doesn't like Slavs either, as we know, or Muslims. Uh, he doesn't like anyone unless you're a, you're not a Roman. white, blonde, blue eyed yeah, Roman. Yeah, a oh, German. Are we talking about Caesar Roman. or Hitler? I'm, I'm confused. The real Romans. <laughs> well, Hitler. Rome. Hitler liked, liked uh, you know. Oh, he knew what he liked. He well, mm, yeah. Well, yeah. Mm, anyway. Yeah. Now, these these massacres taught the Chetniks that it was suicidal to fight the Germans until the Allies came in. That's really what they're waiting for. They're they're having conversations with the Allies. Yeah. As we'll see a little bit later on, Churchill actually sent a guy to go and be his official liaison with Mihalovic. Right. So they're like, nah, fuck it, we're out. We're done. <laughs> we're gonna we're Just out. Lay low. We're not, that, this is fucking, this is yeah. suicide and uh, it's it's not time yet. Again, not a bad argument. They're arguing, hey, the time's not right, uh, right for this kind of retribution. Tito's arguing, yeah, the time is right because the Russians are now in the war and we need to get the Russians to beat the Germans and then come here and help us. But And you're right. I mean, uh, we, we need their help. And we'll also, we need to take some pressure off of the Russians if we, if we possibly can. But after this massacre, the Germans weren't done because they're going to go around and take control of most of the towns in Serbia, except for Ujase, near the borders of Bosnia and the Sanjak. So they took a lot of territory, but they didn't take it all. And Tito sees his opportunity. Yeah, so this is the place where Tito is able to set up his headquarters. It's uh, I, I got the pronunciation Ushitsa, Ushitsha. It's probably probably wrong, but that's the pronunciation I heard. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's near the border of Bosnia and the Sanjak region, um, populated with a lot of Muslims and Orthodox Serbs. About twelve thousand inhabitants. Tito proclaimed it the Red Republic. Yay! And when he got there, it, it was it was a pretty good score. It had its own hotel, bank, factories, newspaper, and prison. The mm. local branch of the National Bank there had fifty million dinars in it, and various Ooh. government offices had another twenty million. So he's got cash. He's sure. got a lot of cash. Yeah, right. a lot of cash that he can now use. He also found 300,000 kilograms of tobacco. <laughs> God, I could, I'd kill for some of that right now. <laughs> and 23 <laughs> truckloads of cigarette paper. That's so he started producing his own brand of Red Star cigarettes. <laughs> there was also a... Small arms and munition factory, so he was soon generating 400 rifles a day, yeah. each stamped with a red star on the butt. Just which reminds me of you in Vegas um, when I got <laughs> it's my a, it's a birthmark. got my branding iron. Right. It was a branding iron. I got out. <laughs> I, I take it with me everywhere. 
You never know. Cam's been here. As a good communist. Cam was as here. As a good communist, you got to take your red right. star with you everywhere. It's part of when you sign up to the Communist Party, you have right. to agree to stamp everything with a red star everywhere you go, including yeah. butt cheeks of midgets. Um, <laughs> Live and learn. So, <laughs> so this, is, this is a big turning point for him, I feel. Ushitsa. Yeah. He's got... Uh, He's got his own little empire here where he can start to really prepare. And so all he's got all the important people with him. He's got his men who are in charge of the various uh, sub-agencies of the government. But I think it's one of the one of these guys or one of these guys' wives looks around and they notice that all of these important men seem to have secretaries who aren't really good at their jobs, probably, but they're very pretty. So I'm not sure what kind of work they were doing, but everybody seemed to be followed around by a beautiful secretary. And I think it's one of those universal things, powerful men in positions are going to take advantage of that. Well, and also, when you're fighting a revolutionary war uh, Mm -hmm. and you know you're probably not going to survive it, (laughs) you want to get laid as many times as you can. I mean, that's my policy anyway. (laughs) I want to get... I I know that... Right. Well, this is, you know, this is a one-way trip, uh, looks like it. I mean, I'm kind of still disappointed that here we are in 2020 and we don't have any sort of uh, life extension program in place yet that can push right. us out to 150 uh, healthy years. Yeah. Uh, all of the interviews that I did in my early podcast 15 years ago with uh, people that were into life extension technologies yeah, promised me that by 2020... Yeah. We would have this in place. Here we are, and you know we've frittered that away with fucking, I don't know, Angry Birds and some fucking shit. Uh, I don't know, but we don't have it. So I'm going to die right. one day, and I want to make sure. You know, my goal is just to right. get my nuts off as, as many, many times as I can before I die. That's it. Yeah, yeah I that's think really COVID, my only goal in life. Between COVID and the assassins of the Catholic Church. I'm surprised you're still alive, but I salute you, sir. <laughs> uh, yeah. So Tito worked and slept in the bank where the wow. money was. Yeah, Good call. He's not dumb. He's keeping an yeah. eye on the money, yeah. He's got had a string tied from the <laughs> vault to, to the his... big toe of his foot <laughs> and then a string from his big toe to the trigger. Of his rifle <laughs> that he kept pointed at the door to the vault. Right. Smart man. Smart man. And on top of the bank building, he erected a partisan star, which glowed red at night somehow. I don't know how. I mean, I don't know how he invented, uh, what, what do you call lights that glow in the dark? What do, do, like, um, I've got a, oh, I don't neon. know. Neon. He yeah, invented neon go. lights. I don't know when neon lights were invented. He had a neon star, yeah. maybe. Is that a good idea? Um, a big, giant, red-ass star? Well, not... On top of the building you're in. Not when the Germans started sending <laughs> bombers uh, into the region. It was a big target. Turn uh, that he, off! But, you know, in the short term, uh, it motivated people. Look up in the light. Instead of seeing oh, a cross on a church... A bat signal. You saw a big, red, commie... St- yeah, bat signal. <laughs> You saw a big red commie star in the sky, right. which actually, uh-huh. have, right. have you ever read the uh, Superman comic Red Sun? I did see something. What did I see? Might have been an advert. Actually, the, the original version of our Cold War website 
I'm not sure if I still have it, but I'm just checking. When you scroll down to the bottom of the website on a coldwar.com, on the footer, I had for the first five years we were doing this, brought to you by, I don't have it anymore. Ah. In the footer, I had brought to, brought to you by Communist Superman. And when you <laughs> clicked on it, it took you to the Red Sun comic. Um, Red Sun was a great um, comic book uh, by Mark Miller, great comic book writer. Basically, mm-hmm. it was like a mini series. I think it was like three issues. Basically, the, pl- the plot of it was instead of Superman's uh, rocket landing in America oh, in, in the 30s. Right. Yeah, it landed in the Soviet Union. <laughs> and so he grows up. Right. Uh, right. Instead, instead of fighting for truth, justice in the American way, Damn right. He is the champion of the common worker who fights a never-ending battle for Stalin, socialism, and the international expansion of the Warsaw Pact. That doesn't ring as well. And, uh, but anyway, that's fine. No, but uh, yeah. <laughs> so goal. yeah, basically, he's he's basically Stalin's guy, and right. uh, you know he, he defends defends the Soviet Union from American aggression. Wow. Uh, terrific comic book. Uh, yeah, really, really, really great. They should make a good film about it. Anywho, uh, how do I get into that? Yes, the Red Star, Superman looking up, Bat Signal, etc. Right. That was it, yeah. Yeah. So the factories were making uniforms as well as cigarettes and rifles and ammunition, and Tito had a Soviet pilot's cap, a pilotka, Mm-hmm. made for himself, and it became the standard issue for Yugoslav troops and was renamed uh, the Titovka, ooh. not the Pilotka, the Titovka. He's famous. Had a little little red star on the cap, and uh, Tito's version had a, an enamel Soviet star with a hammer and sickle. I take By the it- way, you can buy yeah. these on eBay. I... Uh, I'm, I'm ordering one to wear around cool. the house. Nice. Just uh, so everyone knows who the boss is. I take offense at that. As a good communist, his hat is not like everybody else. It's got the hammer and sickle. What is this? Um, some are more equal than others. I just, I just think that's. I know. I know. Tito genuinely cares about his country, but at the same time, he wants there to be a communist state with himself in charge. He doesn't want it some other way. He's not fighting, giving, almost losing his life several times for someone, so someone else can be in charge. Um, you can never forget the element of ego involved in this, but uh, I guess he just wanted everybody to know, yeah, we're all equals, but I'm just that much more, a little more equal than you guys. I think I just think it's equal. Well, no, I... I don't no. think it's that. I think it it's uh, a bit like um, Napoleon wearing his hat sideways. Right. You know, you uh, you need a way of telling who the boss is. It's a way mm. of just signalling, okay, you've got f- ten guys here. I don't right. know you. Um, I've never met you before. You've got ten guys. You're all wearing the same cap. Who's the boss? Oh, that guy. I've, you know, I've heard that Tito right. has a special cap. Oh, Maybe it's that. He's just uh, yeah, yeah. It's I, just I a, can see that. you know, Hit, Hitler's got the mustache. Uh, <laughs> Churchill's got the cigar. FDR's in a wheelchair. Uh, <laughs> oh, Napoleon so had his hat turned sideways. Everyone, you've got to have yeah, 
You've got I to have, have the thing, right? That, what so do you people, have? What do you uh, have? <laughs> <laughs> I've got a big dick. I just <laughs> flopped that. used to flop that out. Okay. Sorry to mean to interrupt you and your dick. <laughs> I don't really. Uh, I'm, 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 I'm lying. I don't really. I'm, I don't want to get that out there. I don't want to. I don't want to ruin expectations. Uh, right, no, time. no. Right. But I'm very good with my tongue and my fingers. That's right. Don't, all you need don't. to know, ladies. Yes. I make up for it. I realised early on. Um, it's like, is this oh, I'm going to have to make up for this. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> no, you know that's all right. You like it, it's. It, it, you, you have to. Learn how to make the best with what you've got in life. That's, that's true. That's so true. You know, that's so deep. It's just the way it is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. I know okay. we're... So... Right. Are you finished with your tongue, fingers, and penis? In no particular order? Never. Not until I die. <laughs> but I think we're uh, probably done with this episode. We are. Just just know that things are going pretty well. He's He's got his little, um, I don't know what you want to call it, political experiment. He's got his little state, whatever you want to call it, and everybody's got their roles. They're doing their thing. They're pumping out weapons. But it's about to get intense for Tito. Dark times are coming for, the, for Tito and his experiment. Curtain has descended across the continent. Galloping cockwomble. Oh, uh, well, that stopped quickly. <laughs>